This is a cool table. Thanks, dude. This whole room's really cool. I got it. Um, yeah, he's. Yeah, you're real close. Bonus to the headphones. Yeah, yeah. It's this day about like a, a fist away, okay. and uh, I'll do some. I do an audio feed and a video feed both, so I'll do some post uh, post editing. I've been tweaking my post editing on the audio feed a little bit each time. Let me start a new track here for the audio. Yeah, dude. Uh, See, podcast, uh, do you guys do YouTube at the gym or anything? Uh, Kind of not really. So a lot of it just goes on the Instagram account. Yeah, we need to do more Instagram, dude. We were just talking about that today. We do some. Like, I made a, a post, like, the last few weeks. But, like, how old are you? 22. Yeah, dude. I'm just, like, old as shit on Facebook over here. You're, like, 27, aren't you? 32. For real? According to my my college students, like, they're like, <laughs> dude, you're on Facebook? what i use facebook to get into like tournaments and like talk to promoters and stuff like that that's about all i do i like the memes too facebook has some dank memes i, I was sharing some um i said oh wait i need to plug in my i was sharing some dank uh, columbus memes i love columbus memes they're so funny yes there was one that was like uh in 1492 the native americans discovered columbus lost at sea yeah, I, I didn't see that one. I saw, um, well, the the one I didn't steal this meme. I just discovered it. That's a good one. And then, uh, oh, man, I can't even remember what they said. I sure, I, like what I did is I saved up a whole bunch of Columbus memes. For like an army of Columbus memes. Yeah, and then I was like, here are some tame yet dank Columbus memes. <laughs> okay. Bam, and try this again. All right, much better. All right, Life Unraveled. That's the cool. name of the show. Impromptu podcast with Braden Anthony. Glad to be here. Thanks. You kind of have two first names. Uh, I have three. My middle name is Reese. All right. There's just a dude got promoted to bite belt named Reese. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you did, you, so you were passing. You went to our team camp. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll just probably talk about jujitsu this whole time and cool. conspiracies, which seem to go hand in yeah, hand. Yeah, I like conspiracies. We're talking about dang <laughs> memes. Um, but uh, so you just got back from the bite belt camp. Uh, I actually sequestered you to steal a private lesson from you. I'm still going to, you know. Well, I appreciate it. But uh, hey, I wanted to work with you, man. So I appreciate you making the time to do the podcast and uh, some jujitsu. So, but uh, dude, so like uh, Josh Bishop and I were talking yesterday. He's one of the guys that got promoted. Yeah, that guy was super nice. He like he really invited is, me to his dude. house, like cooked me dinner. He's a great guy. He was awesome. Um, and he's Jewish, yeah. which adds even, I mean, it's bonus points for me. It gives yeah. us more cool shit to talk about. They're like superheroes. I mean, like when people say the Bible, I'm like, you mean the Old Testament? Hey, don't say that around. <laughs> don't say that around modern Christians, man. I know, dude. <laughs> I know. I was, I was, I raised Christians. Funny, uh, the dude I played in the church band with uh, when I went to church for like 19 years now does jujitsu with me, and we jam uh, whenever we can. He's got cool. a couple kids now, and but he comes to classes and we play periodically. And it's awesome. That's awesome yeah uh so but josh bishop and i were talking and i was like trying to because i was like yeah dude he's turned to alan jade and blah blah, blah. I was like you know who alan jade is he's like no and i was like he's a well, wizard well he's, he's good i'm maybe you can hear all about it on the podcast but so what you started off training with alan is that the first place you trained yeah so uh i started with alan when i was like 
17. And uh, so I started jujitsu like six months after my 17th birthday. And Alan was my first place, but I started training with him and a uh, guy named Buddy Hooker at the same time. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's Buddy up to these days? I haven't uh, seen or heard. He's a black belt dad, man. He got married. Yes, yeah, I knew that. And married, he had a kid, apparently. Got married and has a kid, and he just takes care of his uh, daughter. She's awesome. Like Buddy, Laura, Addie, all of them, they're like super good. Does he still train at all? I mean, no. just come and teach, anything like that? No, I mean, he'll come in like once every like six months just to be like, hey, what's up? But it's yeah yeah it kind of sucks he's kind of like one of my jiu-jitsu dads is that gonna happen to us when we have kids i hope not core and i were talking about having kids today a lot <laughs> and i was just like because uh i mean that is like the the biggest thing is trying to figure out how to implement that and maintain everything else yeah and like i think uh i think eric does it really well but eric eric has a lot of support aren't so. they having a second kid yeah wow. so so hannah's pregnant right now and uh they have charlie and charlie just turned one year old and uh it's just like man he balances it so well though like he still comes in every day at five look at his gray hair dude okay we're not buying it Ooh. <laughs> i'm just kidding hey. don't beat me up hey. eric he's so hey. good dude brian said it here. <laughs> <laughs> well i would say dude you, you eric is your coach now right yeah eric's like, awesome man we'll talk more about Alan in a second but um those are two really good guys to be around yeah and so like when alan was moving to las vegas uh I was kind of in like a dilemma because like the gym I was at was like, it's it's mainly a Krav Maga school. And so like I needed to focus on jujitsu and like at that gym, like they just didn't compete a lot. And all I wanted to do was compete because like, yeah. like I love competing. I love getting in there. Do you do happy JJFs? Uh, I haven't, but I'm doing Nogi Worlds in December. Oh, that'd be a good one for you. Yeah. Because like the only thing I've really done are like sub only tournaments super fights yeah i've done a ton of super fights uh, yeah dude and that's another reason i just want to sit down with you because like i've i haven't been to any of your super fights as of yet but the videos i've seen it's just like fast leg lock finish i mean the two of them i've seen anyway i just get in there and do my thing yeah i have great teammates and a great coach that i mean they, they push me they make me better and i get in there and i just do it do you, do you uh, so would you consider yourself like a quote unquote leg locker like is that your game like is that your your bag like what uh i think it's funny because like everybody talks about my foot locks like everybody's like oh my god like Braden's foot locks are like so good yeah yeah they are good yeah and i mean like i think they're okay but like i think what people don't realize is like whenever i take people's back i think my back control is significantly better than my leg locks Mm. and like nobody really like notices because nobody gets past my foot locks right yeah so like in tournaments like in the past in the past two years every finish i've had has been an inside heel hook except for two and one of them was an outside heel hook and the other one was an arm bar so it's just like i don't ever get the opportunity inside heel hooks i, I love corvus just asked me today there's this uh brown belt he was the, guy, the last guy on the podcast, actually, Jeff Woods. Uh, but he's a professor and stuff. He's he's like 49, but mm. he's he's like my longest-running student. Cora cannot submit him. She's pissed about it. And she's <laughs> never submitted him. And she's like, what am I going to get him with? I was like, I would just, I would just focus on inside heel. <laughs> like, that is like significantly, for whatever reason, I just, I've tightened up my outside heel hook a lot uh, mm. over the... Um, years yeah uh, just recently honestly i saw this video of robert drysdale explaining the mechanics and i was like 
Well, that's stupid. That's the simplest way. Because he's just like, oh, yeah, your hands go this way, but your legs go that way. And and, and that and I was just like, oh, man, I've been too focused on my hand work and, like, my, my body and my torso moving yeah. and, and stuff. And I was just like, I need to add a little. And it, it, it makes sense because of the spiraling yeah, action. Yeah, you just cha- you just turn it. It made sense in, a, like, a bigger context of, like, oh, that's just, that's why people have been saying it's just, like, the, like the shoulder locker or what have you. Yeah. But yeah that's um so back takes yeah statistically you just hit those transitions a lot you hit them from everywhere is that something you systematically study i mean so like my ibjjf game right now because i had to change a lot of my game to fit ibjjf rule sets because like heel hooks don't heel hooks aren't a thing and like i guess like i guess i so eric works with me and he's like hey your leg locks are still a thing he's like just look at them as positional to get into passing and so like that helps me mm-hmm. a lot leg drag coming up into leg drag yeah. is big for me off of failed leg lock so a lot of the times i only when i go against people that are like really competent in foot locks which a lot of people that say they are really aren't and True. uh so Dude, like, I will say like I, I tell people about you because you like like it's funny when I went to that Memphis camp not this last time but the time Nogi before that yeah. yeah like I rolled with which I was teaching at the camp yeah. I rolled with like Josh Bishop then you and I was just like what the fuck man <laughs> like these dudes are savages i was telling josh i was telling josh bishop i was like dude i got in the car and just like drove here with you guys and then like you and this dude beat the shit out of me but i remember you caught me with some foot locks and i just was remarking because like i think you were you're still a purple belt is that correct yeah i've been a purple belt for about two years okay so at that time um i had think i had just gotten my black belt uh you did but i had been um only studying leg locks is like uh, for the longest time i was dogmatic about it i was like yeah we can't do heels guys they're against the rules they're dangerous yes and then over time like i just i, I don't know i got called on it a couple of times like and i started just being around people and seeing the success of people like james partridge or james partridge is good dude we had him in for a seminar george Valadaris actually is one of the first people that turned my head when he was a blue belt because he submitted like 12 black belts in a year or something or 18 or something insane and some of them i knew and i was just like uh and they, I remember at one of the Arkansas AGS, he came out there and just decimated everybody in under a minute with all leg lock finishes and was just like, no, nah, I don't need a break. Yeah, just bring keep him on. Then, then, like, got back in his car and drove to Texas. I was just like, dude, you're freaking me out. So, do you know who uh, Hunter Colvin is? Oh, yeah. He trains with James Partridge. Dude, that I was. guy is a beast. Have you rolled with him? No, but I want to. Yeah, dude, I saw a picture of him the other day because you guys look kind of similar, I yeah. guess. Uh, in like stature and haircut and shit. But um, I was like, oh, dude, I wonder if those two dudes have ever trained together. Because uh, I thought when he turned um, pro in MMA, I was like, oh, man, I'm, dude, wor- I'm worried for you. He's a killer. But he's killing. Killing everybody, dude. He said the other day he's like something about him being the uh, not wanting to be the underdog or something. I was like, dude, yeah. you got my respect, man. Because uh, what is he had two or three pro MMA fights? I think he's had two. But man, he just uh, did. He just worked people, man. Uh, he works them, and um, he, uh, one of them, like uh, his just his control. He like got yeah. the dude's back. It's like, and his striking's not atrocious. It's not he, horrible. He's really good at striking to get to takedowns, which is what he needs to do, right? He's a really high level jujitsu practitioner, so yeah. he needs to take it to the ground and just like choke people. Agreed. Did you watch the Crone Gracie fight the other night? 
I watched parts of it. So I was I like, I was exhausted from traveling and Joseph was watching it because Joseph was with me. And yeah, I wondered if he would be, if he stayed in town too, but he went back yeah. with, with Eric and everybody. Yeah, he went back with Eric. He's got, he's the only full-time employee at the gym. So he's got stuff he's got to do. Yeah. But yeah, man. Like, I don't know. I was really wanting Crone to win so they could be Crone versus Ryan Hall. But I really think Ryan Hall would beat the crap out of Crone. Really? Yeah. Have you trained with Ryan Hall? No. So this past weekend, I worked with Justin Rader for like 45 minutes. Cause like, he was like, dude, your 50, 50 is like legit. And, uh, he was like, you really need to train with Ryan and stuff like this. And like, so he was like, yeah, dude, Ryan's like, he's like, the, he's the man. He was like, he just understands jujitsu on a different level. And I was like, yeah, man, I'd, like, I'd really like to. But like, I think in that fight, like everybody disrespects Ryan Hall's striking. Ryan Hall's striking is awesome. It's good, dude. He, he uses that little lead leg pickup kick. Yeah. Well, and I that, love that kick. And that hook kick, dude, he'll take your face off. Dude, um that bj fight like i i mentioned that uh last night pepperman's male must be here dude he's very upset <laughs> i don't know if the people on the podcast can hear him so at the at the new um studio there won't be dogs barking because it's gonna be at the new gym dude, i got a whole space you got a whole area shined off yeah it's awesome take everything out of here everything out of my music room just then we would make just, a little home yeah then we would just do that over and be like all right let's go train bam so sorry to cut you off due to pepper man's barking no i'm not uh, i'm not too stressed it's dogs yeah dude you said you had three bloodhounds i have three bloodhounds man what's their name i have blue justice and maddie and then i have a miniature schnauzer named penelope a schnauzer what's a schnauzer look like how do you like spell that s-c-h-n-a-u-z-e-r they're like little small terrier things okay okay is that your is that your is that your idea oh but it's lady in the tramp dog dude jacques <laughs> you ever seen that movie i have <laughs> is that does he look like that uh she's like more white than that she? yeah she looks oh. like identical oh puppy dude uh like uh i saw this funny meme the other day it's like one my uh my mom like or my mom's asking for grandkids and it's like a, it's like a picture of like a baby in a belly like a what do they call that a sonogram or something oh, or yeah. whatever whatever it's called whatever they do i don't know but it, and it was but it was like a dog peeking yeah <laughs> super funny anyway well um so back uh alan trained with roy dean did you get to train with him very much over the years i like, roy dean one time when i was a white belt and he just beat me up really yeah how wonder how he's got to be older now like i remember watching his videos um which i'm not saying he's not legit because he's older. Oh, yeah i'm sure he's he's super good equally uh but he, he started studying a lot softer arts in his older yeah he's gotten a, older has he not like more keto more yoga so he was doing a lot of aikido he was an aikido black belt when i met him to meet jiu-jitsu and i think he got his aikido black belt before he got his jiu-jitsu black belt now like don't quote me but like i think that's how it was because mm -hmm. i think he did judo and aikido before interesting and then he got into jiu-jitsu now he's like i think he's a third degree or a fourth degree black belt and uh yeah i don't know like he he has a lot of like aikido influence in his jiu-jitsu like his a lot of his takedowns are like judo aikido-y and like I've, done, I've tried to do the same thing honestly he's legit man that guy was telling you about uh that's been coming in roland chang is his name dr roland chang dude blows my mind like he's third degree in aikido six degree in judo he so he's a tank trained wing chun his whole life like he's taught me this it man form that's like 
13 sections and like one side of one of the sections is like i don't know a dozen moves but it's on the just the wooden dummy i have there yeah. uh, caleb's dad is who carved that for me Dean. But yeah, Mr. Dean, did you meet him? No, I've just heard so much about him. Yeah. Caleb was telling me about him when I was there. He's like, man, he's, he's like a superhero. He's, he's a great like, dude. He's man. like a Green Beret and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, the um, if I'm not mistaken, um, the tree. Uh, so Brandon Motley's one of my guys. A tree fell on his house, and then Dean used that tree to carve my Wing Chun dummy. But this rolling chain guy coming in. Uh, outside of all that, he knows Aido. He knows Kendo. Kendo's cool. Yeah. And then, like, the weapons of Wing Chun. So, it's like, um, there's these different weapons. In like, Wing Chun. scythe things? Well, the, um, I forget what they're called, do they? I mean, something, I'm, something Dow. I'm so ignorant. But they're, uh, they're, they're not like the flip open butterfly knives, but some people call them butterfly knives. Right. But I've got two sets of them now. But then Aikido has a Joe staff. Then Wing Chun and Kung Fu, they have a staff that's similar to, like, the Joe staff. Aikido also has, so he, dude, this dude's been teaching me sick sword and knife work. And then he's like, it's like, he'll be in the gym tonight, but he'll be, he'll be like, all right, he does my class, by the way, wears a white belt. <laughs> Comes in, and then, like, before class, I'm like, we have, like, a little open period of time for, like, 30 minutes on that mat. It's like everybody's kind of getting them warming up. And he, he and I are working, then we do my class, and people start rolling right now, and he and I go over, and he'll just, he just, like, schools me, like, teaches me everything. And I'm like, and then uh, the other day, he's like, oh, dude, I know Taekwondo. Like, he's like Why not one he, more? he's like dude check this out i mean he didn't say it like that but he's like all right check out these taekwondo katas and he did the first form uh which like chanji or something i don't i don't know any of the katas like in, sequ in sequential order or anything then he's like hey give me both those swords then he did the kata with both swords and he did all nine of like the white through white belt katas for taekwondo and i'm That's like nuts. dude you're blowing my mind he and he's like him. he's like yes yeah, hip replacement tomorrow yeah that's what we're doing <laughs> just, just do surgery all the time you know i'm just like yeah. whoa dude he does but he does like about like one surgery a day yeah he's I, I think he's getting later in his career to where he's not he just said he deliberately practices that's what they call it i mean like orthopedic surgery is intense you have to be in really good physical shape like i had my labrum repaired and um my physical or my uh, orthopedic surgeon walked in and like a wife beater and i was like holy crap you're enormous dude tell me about your labrum tear so uh going back to alan shade this uh bad boy alan shade tore my labrum no not really so like i was like three months into jiu-jitsu or something and he had me in an americana and i didn't really know how to get out and so i just tried to roll out and it just kind of tore it wasn't it's not anything super special but i give alan a hard time about it dude um my left i've been seeing an upper cervical specialist and i will say it's made a difference like i don't have any pain when i look to the side anymore mm. which is huge <laughs> like it's so weird it's to huge. look at this guy i've been seeing in moralton where i teach at um he puts you down on this machine and he like puts this little thing on your neck dude boom and it it, it pushes in very lightly but then it like retracts out and like you don't feel the punch really you just feel it like go but uh it like pushes your c2 back in and his theory on that is it's like the c1 is called the atlas yeah and it's like lines everything back up 
but um man my shoulder like i've had some serious subluxation in it and like i've wondered several times if i haven't torn my labrum yeah so but I mean, i'm not trying to self-diagnose or ask a doctor about it i mean like i don't know if they can see me or not but like if you look like i have so much more flexibility in my in my left arm like you see how yours go way out like this one just stops like where it's bothering me the most is when i like and then I, I, I was asking Roland Jang about this. I'm like, hey, dude, do you think I've got torn my rotator cuff? And he's like, no. He like had me do this. And he's like, no, no way. Yeah. But like when I get up over here, like that's that's pain. And then it makes this popping sound. I don't know what's going on. So like when I tore mine, like pretty much any of like this motion and this motion, I just could not do. It was just extremely painful. And my shoulders are super sore right now because uh, Mike Page comored me like 53 times. He said that you guys, yeah, Mike and I went uh, floating over the weekend. Yeah. Dude, Mike is so good, bro. He's like, cool. He's cool, dude. Um, taught me so much. Like one, one of my best friends of all time, he, for sure. We had a really cool like little like hour private thing. And like we ended up playing pretty much the exact same game from like Kamora traps yeah and he was like this is crazy i was like you're telling me man <laughs> he does he's got so many nook and cranny micro details yeah on the Kamora that they just they make they're huge difference makers because it's like it's like piece here piece here piece here from bottom from top and he's he's always showing me something new he just gets it man he does i think some people just like get it <clears throat> he's creative man he's yeah. creative like that some people have a like a creative knack. That's why I've always wanted to train more with Alan. Yeah. Because I think Alan and I have a similar approach and I'm always systematizing my jujitsu. Like I saw yeah. his DVD collection and I was like, hmm. He is all about it. So like from day one, me training with him, this is before like all the like crazy Danaher stuff came out and he was like systemize everything. Alan was always talking about everything has to be in a chain. And so like yeah. from day one of me training, he's like chain everything. He's like, you should never just have one attack. He's like, just chain everything. And like, I still do it. That That's such a good uh, a good strategy. Like, I, I think about that, like what we're talking about with traditional martial arts katas. Yeah. It's, it's some, I, I think about this, like, why did they start doing it this way? That's really what I think about. It's like, okay, well, they were trying to get a bunch of work in. Like, they wanted to yeah. work on all these moves. So they came up with this. And, and the, also, like, a lot of katas were they could do a bunch of, like, big classes, a bunch of people at once. But, um, like, right now, I've been doing um, this stuff I learned a long time ago from Ops and Mora called, we call it arm ride. Yeah. But, uh, let's say you shoot, like, a knee slide pass, go into the arm ride, windshield wiper your feet. And then I've been just saying where you step over the head, switch back. And it's like, man, there's like 10 submissions from the whole series. And it's in like half a dozen transitions at least. It ends up going into like triangle armbar on the plata and all that. Just sets you into a lot. Yeah. And it's like, man, it's like that when I, I've been explaining that to people, it's like a metaphor. I'm like, this is like a kata. Like this is the, the I know it's a lot, but we're going to do this first little part of it so much like we'll get into the first part differently we'll do different moves from this you know once we do the transition but that knee slide part i just because man it allows you to work guard pass allows you to work some side control a variation of side control and tons of attacks yeah so i think drilling is like so important and a lot of people neglect it but there, i also think that there's like effective ways to drill and there's ineffective ways to drill so like whenever i want to learn something i'm like so like what I what I did at white belt is I, I found that I like triangles a lot. And so all I did was triangle from everywhere and I got really good at triangles. 
and then i was like all right did you get bored no i was just like all right i think i'm effective at triangles so i switched to something else you moved on and that's when i got into kimura traps and then like midway through blue belt i started getting into like footlocks and then now that's just been my thing but then once i got out of footlocks i got into back stuff like back attacks and then now right now i'm working a lot of like uh head and arm chokes like anacondas mm-hmm. and stuff like that so yeah i don't know i i just like i do jiu-jitsu all day every day like i'll hang out with my girlfriend and i'll be sitting there watching jiu-jitsu or wrestling matches and she's like hey you know i'm like here and i'm like yeah sorry <laughs> Well, to what is like, so what are you thinking you're going to do with you? You said you're training like 35 hours a week. Something like that. So. And you're going to school, you're going to college. Yeah. What, uh, you, you think you just want to, you want to ride the competition train? You trying to get, uh, a big person job someday? You want to be a martial arts academy owner? Like what? So I don't know. The more that I talk to people that own gyms, the less I actually want to own a gym. And, uh, I think, I think it'd be very rewarding and stuff like that, but I don't think that I have the level of like dedication for me to provide enough of a service to my students to make it like equal amounts of respect because like I know that I like I'm selfish in my competition like I always want to compete I always want to be out there doing things and I know if I own a gym I'm not going to be able to be there training people that was hard dude yeah that, like when I was competing all the time because I was competing yeah, you all competed like 30 something times as a purple belt yeah dude man that was a lot yeah I, I, I definitely got my feel of it and I, it was valuable, but that was one of the bigger reasons is I was just like, dude, I'm gone all the time. Like, mm-hmm. that's a, a, another bigger reason was just like, yeah, no, uh, hey, Braden, can you stop at my gym, dude? Uh, hey, Josh Bishop, you want to come do a podcast and teach me some shit later on, too? Yeah. That's, a, dude, that's the game plan I'm on right now. Because for a decade... I traveled nonstop, man. I've been to 10 of those pipe belt conferences, yeah. you know, and I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, talking down on them or anything. It's but just a lot. It is a lot. And dude, we have a, a, a massively successful program and I feel like I can bring a lot of stuff in and just go to stuff I want to go to and, and yeah. reap all the same benefits. But and if you, if you have the access to like just have people come in and just learn from them and then you just repeat it. Like I, so like what I don't like is like, a lot of times people teach privates and uh they're like hey you can't share this information with anyone and it's like why like nobody gains from that like so if if i do a pro so i did a private with a guy named josh LaDuke, and uh he's uh star lord bjj on instagram that guy's helped me tremendously with my footlock game that guy is awesome understands leg locks is awesome resource and uh he like i did my private i recorded everything and like two weeks later, I was like, hey, is it cool if I share this with some of my teammates and stuff like that? He's like, yeah, dude, show whoever you want. Dude, I have 500 videos on the internet. Yeah. Like, it's literally like I'm just wholesaling it. I might. Like, all that stuff I was telling you, we've been working on the arm ride. Yeah. There's a playlist for it on our YouTube. Like, when people, because like I got new students right now, and it's like we've been working this arm ride for like two months. And I'm just like, hey, dude, um, I have this playlist over here. Boom, you can watch. like It's only got seven videos in there right now. We're going to record like five or six more. Uh, just stuff we've been going over. So it's like, that's for you. If you, if you forget it, guess what? You, so, go, you go find it. Dude, and what's crazy is like right here on the Mac, um, I've been uh, re-watching a bunch of the old hops and shit. That it's just like, man, I was doing that stuff when I was a blue belt. Yeah. 
you know, and, and it still works. It still, it still works. And, and two, it's just like to revisit it. And then that Jeff Woods guy's telling you about yesterday, we revisited uh, something and he did something. I was like, dude, that's that other thing. Like, boom, right here from neon belly. And he was just like, ah, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's not, it's like nostalgic, you know, yeah. like when you get, like you look back on those things. I try to, to always, uh, it was good being competing cause I can empathize with competitors, I think. Yeah. And it, 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 I try to always empathize with white belts. Yeah, because like I think a common thing that a lot of instructors get wrong is they assume that people understand at the level that they do. And it's like, you've been doing this for so long. Like if somebody teaches you something, you'll learn it very fast because you understand jujitsu. When you start brand new, you don't know what the hell's going on. You're like, why am I grabbing this arm? And so you have to give them those like super like basic details that you're like, oh, like everybody would understand this. And it's like, no, they don't where do you think that perception comes from like what you're saying like this Leduc guy or whatever he's like oh yeah dude go ahead and make a video on it teach the people on your team like introduce it into the consciousness of your gym or whatever like but where does the opposite come from I, like i've never understood like no one's ever laid out an argument for me where i'm like oh, that's rational well i mean like i look at like the danaher dudes and like i respect them they're they're really good but i think like Gary's a super cool dude and like I think Gordon is a genuinely nice guy I think he just has a really good internet persona he but does, like man if you look at them like coming up whenever they were just like breaking into competitions like the first couple EBIs and stuff like that when they were just like leg locking the shit out of people they were like yeah we're not teaching anybody anything because they had this like revolutionary thing it's like the Mendez brothers with Baron Bolos like the Mendez brothers came out with Baron Bolos and murdered people and so it's like if you have that revolutionary thing you kind of want to keep it but right now, like, I don't think there's a revolutionary thing. Cause like, if you look at the shift for submission grappling, everybody's just wrestling right now. Literally everyone. If you're not wrestling and you're in submission grappling, you're just going to get wrecked. Yeah. That's like, uh, somebody was asked, so what do you think about this? I got these two, uh, guys from Dubois in mm -hmm. the gym. They're great. I, I really like them. But, uh, and they've, they've trained like that's like, like pretty much like what we do is their PE in yeah. Dubois. Like Flavio came on the podcast and was talking about that because he's like one of the PE teachers or yeah. whatever. And they're like, Hey, you know, like, well, we have a wrestling class. And I was like, dudes, we just had to cancel judo because nobody came. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, and, and they said this, they said that because we were doing, uh, John taught like a, a wizard, two wizard takedowns, like, hitting the overhook to a front headlock and then a anaconda roll. Yeah. And uh, like a fireman's hitting the wizard of fireman's. So like it, super simple wrestling injury. Yeah. And they were like, this is awesome. Yeah. Dude, we need a wrestling class. It's like, dudes, we're wrestling right now. Last time you were here, we wrestled. You next time you come in, we're going to be wrestling. Yeah. Like I was like, we wrestle every time, that's man. Awesome. You know? And I, and th so that's another thing. Like I've just been over the years is this funny. I, I, kind of in a way hoped that it wouldn't come up to avoid a confrontation or, or whatever but the student that used to train with me moved off joined the military for like four years came back it's going to school here again and i remember like at my first location this would have been 2012 or 13 he leg locked this new white belt in the gi and like injured his knee that student quit stopped paying never came back yeah and i was like because like we just opened and i'm just like oh there's you know that's like a business thing there's there's the utilities to this month that's <laughs> going out so i was pissed because it but at the time we didn't do leg locks and it's like situations like that and seeing people's successes and all these other things i was like we gotta start doing leg locks yeah we gotta start doing all submissions in class and, I, and now we do all submissions either gi 
or Nogi, but this guy's back. And last night I got this guy that's like you, but way smaller. Mm-hmm. His name's Jacob. He's going to compete in the AGF. He's competed uh, a lot and kills it. He went and competed at Brandon McCatherine's uh, River City. Uh, well, he's in Decatur, Alabama. Yeah, it's the, the River City Pro. That's the name of the in-house tournament. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, honestly. Um, I didn't go coach him. One of our other coaches did. Do you like my Harry Potter spider? No, I was looking at it. Aragog. <laughs> yeah, I love Harry Potter. But um, this guy is... Um, he's just a phenom and they were rolling and uh it was him and it was a new guy we've had a couple of wrestlers come in and i dude i'm just like you guys have wrestled that's awesome yeah like this one guy came in and wrestled and you could tell he had wrestled he singled somebody and they put their hand on the mat and he foot swept their hand and i was like (laughs) i would have done the same thing there bro like i was like that's you know have you seen jujitsu guys do that with the technical stand-up yeah stand up for max guard and yeah i I love that or sweep the other foot if they keep the other foot on go far side but the the guy from before but my 2012 2013 was like "Eh, no no leg and i was like dude mm mm-hmm sorry about before <laughs> i was like we do all subs now <laughs> it's yeah. just like dude Walking just like just like we do wrestling over here and i'm we start from standing but that's like starting from standing about every class 20 percent of the time i don't that was a big shift all subs even in the gi yeah i was just like if we're gonna do it and be controversial let's be the most controversial yeah. i don't know i don't know man uh I think the like I understand the heel hooks in the gi because the friction is just like so extreme. Uh, you know, I've heard people say that, but I don't notice any of that. So, I've been doing heel hooks in the gi for two years now. Yeah, like I think so. Where I think a lot of people get leg locks wrong is positional control, and like when you have positional control, even in no gi, you're already putting a whole lot of strain on people's knee, even True. before you're doing anything. True. And so if you multiply that with the friction of gis, like. Like I, that's the only rule that I kind of understand in IBJJF. Now, if it's like like if it's IBJJF nogi, yeah, make them legal. Because like like reaping, what the hell is reaping? Nothing. Like reaping isn't anything. Well, and it blurs dude. So like um, the and we may, maybe you can clarify some things on this either now or later. But uh, like Core and I are talking about this today. Just imagine you. Um, like the like the the saddle like where you're sitting looking at the knee bar not where you're sitting looking at them and inside heel hooking yeah. but like you're sitting right there like that as i understand it is legal but if i turn the other way it's illegal so the way it works is there's a free foot clause so if i have you in saddle slash 411 whatever you want to call it there's like 50 names for the same position so if i have you in that and i overhook your leg that's reaping because that is intent to attack the the same side foot if my if i underhook it that's not intent to attack the same side foot because it's technically a knee bar grip so it's technically legal but i can also attack the far side leg so i can attack the far side leg as much as i want like i can do whatever i want to that leg yeah and like i don't think the clover leaf works i'll show you something really cool you show turning the toes uh yeah okay okay i'll come up with a modification after you show me that see if it works cool Uh, there's also like a counter to that one Uh, damn it (laughs) damn it i think i know what you're talking about well i started i started uh going up on their heel and like pulling it yes yeah like but yeah no i did i started using that like crazy you were the person told me about that was i I forgot yeah you did just to turn the toes up you told me about that at memphis camp yeah turn the toes and it's like you i mean it it just puts meat on bone and it just doesn't hurt yeah and i mean like i don't think i'm a firm believer that like there's only like one or two calf crushes that actually do damage like the ones where people like 
sit in and have their forearm inside to try and pull it and stuff like that. I'm like, man, if you tap the pain and you're a competitor, you're already losing. That one, um, I don't, I don't know about any of the ones Raiders showed, but there's one I do from bottom mm-hmm. where my shin's in, where they're like, oh, it's sad to have like a single butterfly and they have one knee up and I shoot the leg through. And I do a bicep crusher that way too, but dude, it's brutal. I'll show you the, I call it the hundred percenter. It's a freaking nasty calf slicer. And uh, it's, uh, have you seen Eddie Bravo versus Hoyler Gracie? Oh yeah. He does it. He does the, se- the first or second one. Uh, the first one. No, the second one. The one where he gets them in the like vaporizer. Many times. Thing. It's so good. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So it's kind of similar to that one, but it's, it's a really good counter to when people are uh, hiding their heel really well and four uh, eleven. So yeah so did you just get inspired by doing like ox with allen early on and it was always a part of your game because i like, did i don't know why but it was like leg locks and takedowns non-existent for me and then like i figured out i like it like around blue belt mm-hmm. I, I was like do i start doing takedowns mm-hmm. because here's the thing like caleb and them they all moved like first we didn't have a, a gi program for like a year and a half of training then they moved to northwest arkansas eventually the clarksville gym closed down and i started splitting around with these karate people up here and running like a just basically like a sister sort of program out of there for two years and that's when i was like dude we gotta start doing judo we gotta start adding stuff in so eventually we can get to where we are now and boom with takedowns it's like we're doing wrestling over here we're doing throws over here counter guard pull pulling guard whatever it is we're starting for standing and having a very varied and diverse approach and then eventually but for whatever reason it was like two three years after that when i was like oh we do this with leg locks and now i'm just like I just try not to be dogmatic. I, I, yeah. I never, and then too, like, because it pisses me off that people won't uh, share their information. I'm just like, everything's for free on the internet. Like, Literally. Like uh, every Sunday, no matter pretty much what I film for the YouTube and five, six videos, usually the stuff we taught in class that week. And people appreciate it all the time. I'll tell you that Rowan Chang guy, the orthopedic surgeon master. Yeah. He's just like, oh, these videos are great, dude. I was just like, it's free Thanks, resources, man. man. Thanks. I was like, let's talk about these wrist locks over here, please. <laughs> Did you do uh, wrist locks with Danny Dring at the um, um, camp? Yeah. Yeah. He taught him. But like by the time Danny got around to teaching, like I was just brain dead. Yeah. Because like there's a point in which like there's so much jujitsu that your brain's just like, dude, there's so much going on. What point do you think that is? We've had a lot of conversation about that. Uh, Dude, after the first two seminars, like I was just toast. I kind of agree. I kind of think that um, I like the breakout session idea. I really like those too because I, I got to work. Uh, so I got Matt Blank first. And uh, the whole time Matt Blank was like, hey, Q&A us whatever you want. So I was like, dude, this is my game. Here's the, here's the really common entries I do. What would you do? And like just being able to break that down and have people be like, oh, yeah, like so this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I do. It helps me understand like, oh, okay, so how can I counter all of these? And then I got with Justin. And uh, that's when we had our like 45 minute 50 50 thing. And that was awesome. Cause he, he said that he has this one like super, super strong break. And he was like, dude, I just cannot get past it. And uh, I, I like, I think 50 50 is one of my best positions because I have super long legs and my legs are really strong. And uh, a lot of the times, like, it's really hard to break my knees apart to attack. And like, I'm really good at keeping my foot near the hip so that dude, I'm maybe I'm that's what we should work today. What are we working today? Whatever you want, man. 
50 50 or back take is what you're selling me over there we can do both (laughs) all right cool cool yeah but uh that's just it dude i i do like i want to work i i with the camps dude like i i reached that point and i got a lot of jujitsu to connect it to you know what i'm saying i'm just like okay yeah we can do this but it's like dude six hours in even toast even three hours in i'm toast and and i want to be able to have camps ultimately i think the solution on some of that is like breakout sessions how how the time is appropriated in the length like we're looking at having a kickboxing camp after the first of the year again at our place and we're trying to figure out it's like we should get eric in for that we, he can't he taught last year it was fantastic Eric's really I picked good up kickboxing a, yes we got him to do uh sweeps and trips probably going to get him to do something similar this year but you should get him off of like teep combinations oh dude, teep, he is okay. so good off of teeps yeah right. oh my god dude, i love a good front kick man he tears and like when i like i used to do a little bit of muay thai and uh like i watch the muay thai class now just because like it's just so interesting to me like I don't want to do it because I don't, I just don't enjoy it anymore. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't, man, I'll tell you, I don't enjoy sparring anymore. I enjoy training, kickboxing, yeah. and teaching. But, dude, like, I, yeah, I got hit in the head a lot for 10 years. And it's just not worth it. It's not. And, like, I, I like watching Eric because, like, if you watch him kick, he looks like he's putting the least effort into it ever. But, like, it hits you and you're like, Jesus Christ, that hurt. Dude, <laughs> Eric has the Thai voice down yeah he's got the sound effects you don't say bam you say uh, bow yeah bow and uh dude you should hear him teach jiu-jitsu when he gets nervous he gets like a little brazilian accent i'm like where'd this come okay, from okay guys yeah he's like okay i i hook the foot and you're like eric you're from tennessee dude you know um so here's something fascinating that you might not know about tennessee i just kind of found out myself or re-remembered it. i'm pretty sure i knew it when i was in college but you know tennessee sent more soldiers to fight for the union than any other southern state interesting yeah second most was arkansas well i'm from mississippi so i don't know about mississippi dude we were in the same uh military district as mississippi though uh after uh during reconstruction you teach history or philosophy history yeah i have a big background in philosophy but i don't teach it um i may get my phd in philosophy that'd be cool yeah one of my favorite college professors was a uh, he had a philosophy phd he taught this a uh, religious class at rhodes his name's norman whitman i think he teaches in connecticut now dude that guy has an incredible way to make you ask questions and like do you know how hard it is to make people understand questions that they that they need to ask that's so hard like how many times have like you gone around and you teach something in a jiu-jitsu class and you look like white belts and you're like do you have any questions and they're like no nope. and it's like and then like later they're like oh this well, he's so good at making you realize the questions that you have. And I was like, dude, I wish that was a trait that I had. Yeah, that is a skill, man. Like, uh, I remember, and I've gotten better at this, but I remember running into a couple of guys over the years that were, it was just like, okay, so you know what variation of this move we're going to do with everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, he, he basically just like, oh, no, 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 you can't do this like Aaron. Like, Aaron, you got to do it this way. Brian, you do it the way I should. Like, it was a Rodrigo Panero. You know who that guy that is? That guy's good. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that guy's real I good. No. <laughs> so he came in, um, one of his black belts is um, a cousin of one of my blue belts that quit. 
stereotypical. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it was funny too. Cause he got second at world. So white belt, <laughs> he got his blue belt and then he quit. That doesn't make any sense. Well, he, no, he, he got this, he was law enforcement. Um, and he just didn't like it, man. Yeah. And he got a job at pulling security at the nuclear plant here in town. It makes really good money. Nuclear plants usually bring in pretty good Yeah. Money. For our for our town, that's like our, the big debate we've been having is about the casino. Y'all have a casino? Well, we, we're getting a casino. Interesting. And it's really divided the community up between anti and pro-casino crowds and then um, what casino we want. Because uh, the county chose one out of nowhere, mm-hmm. out of like five that so, submitted. So are y'all technically under underwater or something? Because don't can't uh, casinos not be on land or something like that? Uh, no, they passed some new amendment to our constitution in the state. I don't know. Okay, because like in Mississippi, our all of our casinos are in Tunica and they're on like floating boats technically. Yeah, because yeah. like they had to be off land. Yeah, they've got to. Uh, they got to be on the river or something like that. That was something they were discussing. I don't know why they didn't go with that or what have you, but they were talking about our location on the Arkansas River maybe being an exception because we were just like right on like this is the river valley. Yeah, I went over the bayou when I was coming here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was weird. I was like, Illinois bayou? I was like, I thought I was in Arkansas. See, that's all. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's all. um created that's all man-made uh from when they put the dam in over here and uh they flooded all this area and made lake dardanelle so that uh let's see did we pass lake yeah right when we went over the overpass that's like that's like the overflow from the big lake they created yeah. the bayou or whatever so yeah i don't even know what a bayou is dude i don't know it's like it's like a swamp it's like a cajun water i don't yeah. know yeah Creole, yeah, something like that. Louisiana, Andrew, stuff. Andrew Jackson, Battle of New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I'm. I think I've the thought I was just saying about it. It's pretty heavily yesterday. I just have a master's degree, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna keep teaching. In like five years, less than five years, I'll have. We'll have. We'll be essentially almost debt free, mm-hmm. other than the house and the gym and we'll like we don't know a whole lot on our, on our house we're about to owe a lot on this new gym <laughs> no it's not a lot for what we're getting though i mean it pays for itself right exactly yeah and with uh we're doing we're doubling our square footage like that yoga class that we were giving Getting them the time to do like they'll have a room with a door we wouldn't even have to leave you know yeah. what i'm saying we could have just done jujitsu at that time so but just those little inconveniences don't seem like a lot, but it's just like, dude, that's a, it allows us to do more. That's why I'm trying to get the studio at the gym. It's just like, yeah, this is where I crank out audio and video productions. I, I, I do the Life Unraveled podcast, but this one I'll, I'll call it Jiu-Jitsu Unraveled. That way people cool. know on the front end. You know what it is. They're like, this isn't a life when all these dudes are talking about is Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well. Cool that happens on the regular podcast. I mean like I'm into a lot of weird stuff like yeah we were talking about some conspiracies and stuff yeah. before we came here I, th- I like conspiracies I like drugs like I used to do a lot of drugs I don't anymore I don't do anything I just like I think all of that stuff's really interesting and I think people that are really into it are really interesting because like we yeah. call those people wooks. <laughs> you ever heard of a wook? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah man like I used to do a lot, and then now 
Do you think you did any of it too early, like before your brain was fully developed? Dude, my first drug, I was 14, and, I, and, it, was a, and it was acid. Holy shit, dude. So, But it was on accident. So I was at a party in high school, and I was like wasted. And uh, my mom texted me. I was like, hey, you got to come home. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. And uh, so my uh, friend came to pick me up, and uh, as I was leaving, uh, this guy was like, hey, here's some gum, man smell like alcohol put the gum in my mouth start tripping balls man it was scary i was like 14 years old seeing shit and i was like what is going on man it was not cool yeah it was was really not cool did did they did the guy cop to it later or what i never saw that guy again oh man yeah did you see uh just this last week or whatever a couple weeks ago um ari shafir drugged burt kreischer on Bert's podcast at Bert's house while his kids were home with Molly. Yeah, it's probably not the best. <laughs> it was probably hilarious, but like <laughs> they haven't released a podcast yet. But um, Bert's a funny dude. Bert's a funny dude. Bert was pissed about it though. Yeah, and um, but then also Bert said that he doesn't want to drink anymore. Yeah, that's like the weird thing about uh, like reported about molly is that it makes you it makes you come to some real uh, realization yes and a lot of times they i mean people the way they talk about them seem to be for the best you know i mean so i drink like once every like six months i drink like twice a year and i don't even get like yeah, I, I don't that's about the last lot. time i had a beer man and I didn't drink for like five years and then i started drinking like socially and casually again and then like i just got to a point like within the last year and a half or so and i tell you what a lot of it too is just seeing like people act like idiots yeah and it's like i know that i'm like that whenever i'm drunk and like i have a really bad addictive personality and i think that's why i can stand doing so much jujitsu because mm-hmm. like it just never gets old to me but like my father was a raging alcoholic and so i'm like scared for that to happen so i don't yeah. like drinking but like when i went my freshman year in college i was like a raging alcoholic and then i was like oh man this sucks and so i substituted drinking for smoking a lot of weed and then i was like well now i'm just a pothead and i was like well it's slightly better but it still sucks and so i stopped that and now i'm just i don't do a whole lot yeah because i mean like i got to so like i talk about all the time i have really debilitating anxiety and uh it's kind of regulated by like me training and stuff like that but i used to smoke to help me out but i'm not one of those kind of people that can like just smoke a little bit like i'm either like zero or a hundred and so i get to the point where i'm just like high all day every day and i'm just miserable like i'm not one of those people that like oh i can smoke like once every four days socially like i can't do that i'm just like once i'm in i'm like in yeah, I wonder if people really do smoke socially like that or just pay lip service to the fact that they don't. They do, and they really are just smoking weed all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I just smoke whenever it's out, man. Like, whenever somebody's got it, it's like at home, they've got a quarter pound. Yeah. I smoke when it's convenient, and then there's things like dab pens that make it convenient all the time. Yeah. Well, have you heard anything about... Um, or have any uh, opinion about uh, like the, the, the vaping that's going on? Yeah, in, like, I mean market industry. So I used to smoke a lot of cartridges, and uh, I could one hundred percent tell a major difference in my like breathing in my lungs, like absolutely. And like we live in Memphis, or like I live in Memphis. There's nothing that's going to be extremely regulated going in there. Yeah. And so like I I knew what I was doing and stuff like that, but 
I mean, I like if you want to do it, do it. Like, but there's definitely safer ways to do it, but there's definitely cheaper ways to do it. It's just whichever one you want yeah. to do. You just got to pick your pick your thing. See, I think people thought for a while that they were going to be vape like vaporizing the plant matter probably is the healthiest way to go yeah like do you know what the pax is mm. pax is an herb vaporizer i used to have one. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah like literally yeah, yeah. it's like a little oven you just grind yeah. it up pack it in there and put the lid over it and it vaporizes the herb and uh like that thing is like the cleanest ever like i never coughed like it, the only thing about it was it was just hot but like i never coughed i never had any like lung hurting like i was never like god this sucks i was just like man this is really just cool yeah so like i think yeah i agree with you like that is like the thing to do yeah it's um it's wild i wonder too i've i've been curious about um if all the articles we're seeing and all the the buzz going on about it's not being put in place as like a form of propaganda by big tobacco yeah or some other industry well i mean i could i can understand that because like there's a lot of history of like big tobacco doing really shady things yeah and i mean a lot of people get pissed off when you mess with their money so true, true i mean true. It, it would make sense if there was something going on but i like i think it's stupid because so many people are like overreacting to so many things like vaping nicotine and stuff like that they're like we got to ban that and it's like no like the reason that this is happening is counterfeit cartridges are being made incorrectly and people are like cutting things cutting it with things so that they can make more money and those things that they're cutting it with are just bad for you like mm -hmm. if you go to like dispensaries everything there is like regulated tested intensely like everything has to be perfect and like you don't get that with like the black market ones and like yeah. people don't understand that they're just like oh my god vaping everything sucks well it's uh here we are again on the state's rights thing because like our community was just recently like there's a guy at the gym that manages the dispensary here in town that's about to open up mm -hmm. uh and our yeah, city y'all have medical here yeah our yeah. city government was trying to keep it out like yeah. crazy and their number one argument other than their bible verses and stuff like that yeah was um well, the federal government has decided it's illegal and we will follow what they say yeah well the federal federal government have said a lot of things are illegal that states haven't cared about in all of history yeah i know and, and it's it's funny that they they've been even conveniently like Oh yeah, we know this. The state constitution said uh, Pope County shall be issued a casino license, but we don't like what the state says on that. So. I mean, it's kind of like New Testament, Old Testament. It, we don't, it we is. don't like the Old Testament, so I know it was uh, somebody said something about the Bible earlier, and I was like, "You mean like, like, like Wh which Hebrews, one are you talk about? Like the Israelites? So yeah, Judaism? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like." It's funny. I teach Civ one, so like I've been t dude. We got like five weeks left. I just started Rome. Like wow. we haven't like we had, Jesus is not even alive yet. <laughs> yeah, like we just got the Bible like four weeks ago. So actually, we get Bible the Bible in like on my second test. But at that point, it goes from that point all the way forward, and then it's like, man, let's just smash these two books together. Yeah, I mean, like I I don't know I. I'm a really big believer in the separation of like religion and government and stuff like that. Me too, man. I'm it, a really big believer in that. Cause I mean like if what has almost every war in history been fought over either a money or B religion. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I don't know, like I have to write a paper right now in one of my classes on uh, religious hypocrites. And so 
like that's part of that's probably the main thing i'm going to talk about is like there's so many like quote unquote peaceful religions but then it's just like all these people like the crusades crusades were freaking terrible right and christians are like we're loving people no you're you, you, you just killed thousands of people what do you think about the uh this is something that's really been bothering me dude because like i know a bunch of like homophobic people in my life and yeah i also have people in my life that were like have been my mentors that are like Like openly homophobic or or, or that but that are gay yeah and it's just like um i can't not uh like that that made me empathetic Mm. to gay people yeah because honestly i was raised to not like gay people it's like my household or whatever and and church and everything it's like but the whole pray the gay away thing yeah it's i don't know so the way i look at life is like if somebody's doing something and it's not bothering my life i really don't care like if you're going to be gay and you're going to date dudes i don't care like cool like as long as you're not robbing me trying to kill me uh trying to do something stupid to me or my family like i don't care what you do man like you can you can go be gay i don't care and like i agree i just don't get it like i don't know why and people are like oh well my religion says this it's like yeah well your religion also says don't pass judgment so which one are are you prioritizing one thing over the other and like i hate that argument because it's like 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 my mom is extremely religious and she just loves everyone. And she's like, I don't care what you are. She's like, I was told to love everyone unless you like murder people or like assault people. She's like, I'm told to love everyone. So I love everyone. She's like, it doesn't matter to me. She's like, if you're going to be gay, cool. As long as you're a good person, I don't care what you do. Mm-hmm. It's like the way that I look at people like doing any kind of recreational drug. Like if you can manage it and you can do whatever you want to do and not bother me, I don't care what you do. It's anything in life. Yeah, that's like, um, I've been thinking about that a lot too recently, just like addiction in general, right? Like how aware do you think someone is that they are or are not addicted to something? Uh, I don't know. Cause like I've been through a lot of addictions in my life and I've been very aware of them while I was doing them. Like aware, like, oh, I want to quit, but I can't. But like, like what's weird to me is like the, um, like what got you there? It's never this is what I've been thinking about. It's never like, oh yes, I knew that this might would happen. It's just, you just, it just happens. Yes. Anytime I've been introduced to something that like, I kind of went down a, like a rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. Yeah. And it was, it, I never saw it coming. Mm-hmm. And like, and then you like, I, this is also, you get people that like overdose and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, dude, I mean, yeah, some people commit suicide by overdosing on drugs. But more times than not, I don't think anybody ever intentionally. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Nobody ever intentionally. Nobody wants to be like, oh, I'm going to take so much that I die right now. And I mean, like, I'm sure there are people, but I don't think they're like when people overdose. I think they're just wanting to get high. I don't think people are like, I'm wanting to kill myself with drugs. One, I think that people will take a certain amount of whatever it's pharmaceutical and opiate or whatever. And then they don't take it for a while. Cause they do have some progress. They stop using it and then and they, they go back, back to the same amount the same and amount. it just wrecks them. Yeah. It's, uh, that's crazy, man. And then it's like withdrawal effects. Like I'd never even knew that withdrawal from like, um, was a thing really like from pills and stuff yeah so uh i was on antidepressants for like nine years because uh i had a really really horrible childhood my father was like a horrible person and uh so one day when i was like 14 15 
14, 16, something like that. 14 to 16, I don't know. I like just cold turkey took myself off of them. And I had a year long withdrawal period and it was the worst time of my life. It was a year awful. long, dude. It never, like every day was the hardest day of my life. It was horrible. And you still have anxiety today? Yeah. Is like, it better? Like what, like what do you think? It's it, regulated. So like. Just it, like, just that, like from your childhood, just like you think that it's like direct correlation, like. I mean, like, I, I think I have, I've made a lot of progress towards like coming to peace with it. Cause like I went through really horrible, horrible, horrible things and like. It's not like I, I don't want it to be one of those like pity things because like when people tell me like oh I'm so sorry I went through that it's like no like it's cool like it's not too it's not a pity thing but it's like dude like look at, look at what you're doing now yeah and so like I grew up with my father telling me I'd never do anything because my father was a pro baseball player oh really wow yeah. interesting so he was a pro baseball player and uh, he was also in the navy and like did all kinds of really cool stuff and he was like you'll never be anything like me like I was told that like every day of my life. And so I went through like a lot of like physical, emotional and sexual abuse, like every single day. And I think a lot of the way that I think now is definitely influenced by that. Cause like, I think I'm very compassionate when it comes to things like that. And like, I have like zero tolerance for anything like, like domestic violence. I have zero tolerance towards domestic violence. I have no tolerance towards violence towards children. I don't have like none of that. Well, and like we, we shouldn't as a society. It's yeah, like but Corey I, and I argue, and we could both beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But it's like <laughs> honestly, like, and I mean, dude, we've been heated arguments before. Yeah, and it's like I've never really ever never wanted to hurt you no never wanted to hurt her never thought about like i'm about to slap her like nothing like that like yeah. i could not imagine doing it not even losing my temper that also i will say that was one of the reasons i quit drinking is because of uh correlations and like domestic violence d- and d- alcohol d- yes there's but a no knowing that but then also just being like losing my temper a time or two when i had been drinking yeah and maybe i rightfully so lost my temper in one of these situations but then i was like is it really rightfully and it was it worth it yeah and then i was all like after that because i was i was pretty much like i want to say i was drunk but i'd had like three beers and a couple shots of tequila and like a super short amount of time and then i got pissed yeah and then i was just like "Mm." you know like i was like that way for like two hours yeah and i was just like dude it seems like it never ends i don't want to feel that way yeah it sucks i'm trying to undo that kind of stuff yeah and like i have a lot i have a lot of like anger and stuff towards that and like i think i'm okay right now like i don't think i have a whole lot of problems i don't think i have like i think i'm really good right now but i also know that like if i stop doing jujitsu i am horrible you found your thing. You found something that like uh, yeah, it kind of even balances and evens you out. Like martial arts for jujitsu or whatever. Like just I just like I would say martial arts because like just I'm over, I'm over here studying sword fighting with this dude. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you do all you do it all, and it's that's bit the pursuit of that knowledge has been the ultimate equalizer for me and to to seeing what to, like what frontier I can take it to or what degree I can take it to like. I was just talking to her today. I'm like, I'm an audiophile. Like, I'll look around. Like, yeah. there's a room with 13 guitars in it over there. Like, I'm going to get this amp here before long that you don't know about. And, <laughs> like, I was like, got, got all this stuff. Like, I was like, that's what I'm into. And I was like, the fact that I can, like, do a podcast about jujitsu 
and then put it on the internet like that just like turns me on like cool. that's you know what i'm saying like we yeah. sit down talk about jujitsu for an hour then go do it and then like make a video on down the road of some something you learned doing jiu-jitsu. it it's just cool like i like doing it it and is cool it's um so that's one thing that like i mean i'm pretty settled in i, I don't know once we get this new gym transition we're supposed to close november 22nd so we're, we're close it is it's very we gotta do some light remodeling and we'll move in over the holidays um easy transition for students yeah it will be so january 2020 we should start in the it's new brand location. new yeah it's the building is like 15 years old that we're yeah I mean, it's like it's like it, yeah brand new. and it was it was a fitness center it was so built. it's set up for it's, what you oh, need. Oh, dude, it is. Yeah. It's got the big open room where they had like all the uh, uh, cardio equipment and stuff. And then it's got um, a back room with these French doors uh, where they had the free weights. Yeah. And we're putting fitness kit boxing back there. That'd be cool. So like one gigantic mat with one bag rack up front and then we'll put 22 bags and fitness kit boxing in the back. Maybe, maybe a few more, but we're going to have two fitness kit boxings a night. So I think that our overflow will be handled for the oh, foreseeable yeah. future because we have 17 bags hanging right now and there's plenty of nights where we don't have enough. Right, it's like 22 people there. I, mean, I, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but it's not really a secret if you go to the gym, but like Eric's doing a lot of remodeling right now. I haven't seen what all he's doing. Is he adding multiple mat spaces? No, or? no, no. So uh, you know where the mats are, like right when you walk in the door? Yeah. So he's going to move those into the back corner where all the CrossFit stuff is. Yeah. And he's going to put the CrossFit stuff in front of the jiu-jitsu, in front of that like window through those doors. Mm-hmm. And he's putting fitness kickboxing right in front of the doors. Ah. Yeah. Because he, he, I think he's going to go to like marketing fitness kickboxing again because like obviously that's where like money is and stuff like that. Dude, that and um, like our kids program. Yeah. It's just in like the 8 to 12 year olds. That's like today I had, uh, we had that instructor out sick. Um, so I'm helping one of, with one of Cora's classes and George, one of my purple belts is teaching uh, the teen jiu-jitsu. But we have so many 8 to 12 year olds and they come, we have six different section uh, sections of them like there's uh monday wednesday section that meets there's a tuesday thursday section that meets and there's another tuesday thursday section that meets then we're gonna open up a white belt only class when we move to the new spot eric's trying to do that too he's trying yeah. to do like an intro to jiu-jitsu class because mm-hmm. like right now we have so like monday wednesday for monday wednesday is gi at 7 30 tuesday thursday is no gi at 7 30 friday is competition class at six saturday there's open mat but i teach monday wednesday friday an 11 30 a.m class like, no gi yeah uh right now it's all no gi because like i'm a lot of us are getting ready for no gi worlds but uh usually monday and friday are gi and wednesday is no gi is that in new york is that where is that at new york city no gi worlds oh uh, it's in uh anaheim okay yeah but, is it in anaheim every year I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I, don't yeah, I, th- I thought it, I thought it was in New York last year. I don't know. Pans was. Okay. Yeah. Pans is usually in New York. See, so I've done pan, uh, Nogi Pans. Yeah. Nogi Pans. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Because uh, I did Pans at the Pyramid uh, when I was purple belt. Cool. So for in the gi, I never. I only did IBJJF Nogi one time. Yeah. And they were bitching at me about my shorts not being regulation. I was like, dude, you let me go or what? I feel like, like it's just shorts. Like, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I. I bet if I was Brazilian, you wouldn't say this. Yeah, I mean, just all of that, dude, all of that. Yeah. It's like, like you say you won't talk to people, but you're talking to Angelica Galvao right there. Yeah. In Portuguese, might have Right before Mr. her referee. Match. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, the, the, the IBJJF and B, some people are big about it though, man. Some people Eric like, loves it, man. want that recognition as an IBJJF black belt. And like, I don't think I will ever register with the IBJJF as a black belt. I mean, I we got, we got Danny. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't see the importance of it. Like, well, and like the, the, where they piss me off is like, they're like, let's just say Hicks and Gracie. They're like, no, nah, we're not going to recognize you. Like if Hickson applied, they wouldn't recognize him at his rank. Think about that. They would recognize him at probably like a fourth degree or something. Yeah. And it's just like, what? That guy's been doing jujitsu longer than this organization's been alive. Yeah. But that's uh, stuff like that. And uh, like, they won't let him coach cause he's not a registered bike belt. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so, and it's so like, I don't know. It's, it's like, you can just look at the organization and tell it's for profit. Like, so much for profit and there's so much bias too like Keena cornelius talked about it with the last adcc and he was just like brazilians are pissed off at the refing in this because the refs there are from finland and consistently call the exact same calls in every match he was like we're an ibjjf like there's obvious favoritism like obvious like have you ever seen them i don't know who it was it was Keena cornelius versus some like random brazilian guy and the random brazilian guy gets an advantage for like this like wrist lock that he like dives on in the last three seconds and it's like how did you get an advantage for that you were just squeezing his hand and he ended up winning for that and like keenan cornelius walks over to the b and the ibjjf and was like shaking his finger at it and so he was like i guess if my last name was Corn- cornelia i would have won that that's funny yeah what do you think about um officiating in general in the sport i don't know i mean i talked to justin Rader a lot about uh like rules the other night and he has a secret system apparently I don't know. He he like hates everything to do with jujitsu. <laughs> it's it's so weird. I do too, man. Honestly, that's another reason I'm just like you people can't get your shit straight. There's the biases, and then like the story with AGF is that they're always changing their interpretation or changing yeah. the rules. Like I can't. I was like, yeah, I can't keep up with you guys. I think anymore. it's a good organization. I think uh, is they Brandon Quick. So yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah, I think I think Brandon Quick is doing really well with it, and I think he has a lot of like really good things. Because like I did uh, AGF Nationals, and like it was ran really well. Like I like their timing. Like their timings all they correct. they do better. They do better than anybody else. Yeah, opinion. dude, their organization is incredible. I think they just have some like foundational things that like they just need to get in order, and then whenever they have everything just like set in stone, they'll do really well. Yeah it does i mean they started as grassroots companies and they've been around for less than 10 years if i'm not mistaken it's going to take them time i I went to the first agf ever in springfield missouri if i'm not mistaken on that that's nuts so um there's like naga but like nobody cares about naga yeah i know dude but hey well i would say naga contributes to some dank memes they they do like you like jason ryan did you hang out with that guy yeah he's such a cute he's funny man yeah he went to adcc I saw yeah, that. I'm trying yeah. to get him to come on the podcast so we can just have a discussion Talk about, about ADCC. It. Yeah. yeah, him and I'm trying to get him and Josh Bishop to come on here pretty Josh soon. Josh is so nice, man. Yeah. See, Josh just came out and trained uh, trained with me one time, brought J- Jason Ryan with him. I got both of them. I was like, dude, you motherfuckers are filming a jujitsu thing for my channel. <laughs> like, pick a technique. But, man, we rolled and then we went out and had lunch. Man, it's just kind of like this, dude. Just chill just day. Out sit down and talk about some jujitsu do a little training i like things like this i get stressed out whenever like like if i go to teach like privates or a seminar or something and people are like 
we have to do this. We have all this stuff to do. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, like I'm really laid back. Like, dude, if you would have said you didn't want to do a podcast, I'd be like, all right, bro, let's go grab a coffee till yeah, we're done doing yoga. Sure. Cause I, I was, that's what I was down to do. But, um, cause man, some people get weird about the podcasting thing. Like yeah. I, I, I would say maybe probably 25% of people I ask are weirded out by it. They're like, you want me to sit down and talk to you? Yeah. And I mean, right. like, like I'm really open. Like if you couldn't have told by this conversation, like I have no secrets, man. The, like, well, and I figured honestly, when I hit you up just about training, I, I figured if you had time, you would do it just cause I mean, I've been only been around yeah, a couple absolutely. times, but I was like, this dude's training with Nathan Musser up at LDMA. I was like, I'm about to sequester some of that time. Yeah. So I, I hit up them, I hit up them on the way up to conference. And then while I was in conference, I trained with like Jason and Josh and then now I'm on the way back. I'm hitting up you. And then I think I have a seminar in like two weeks. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Man. Where are you teaching at uh, seminar? At? I'm trying to get. So I was told that there's a lot of people that want a seminar. Uh, it's at a MMA gym down in Olive Branch. And they're super cool. Like the guy was like, yeah, we got like 12 people. We just got to organize it with our coach and should be good. And I was like, all right, cool. Cool. I'm down for that. Dude, it's so good. Uh, I've, I've only taught a few seminars myself, mm -hmm. but it's nice. And I will say, man, like you doing what you're doing like like you know I, I james wasn't a bite belt when i had him come in no you know what? george was a blue belt i was like dude not only do i want you to come in like you're doing a private lesson with me like yeah. how much does it cost and i, I just like i feel like the, another dogmatic thing you do a lot of people won't do that like yeah. i'm like no this dude's good it's I really I, weird. he knows stuff i don't like yeah i could tell him some stuff he, the, whatever but like he ain't asking me for a private like, like when i when i first started learning from uh joshua duke down in florida he was a brown belt and like I went and trained with him, and uh, he had a purple belt down there named Werther Marcialis, and like I follow that dude on Instagram. He's a great dude. He has incredible jujitsu, and like, dude, that guy's all. He's a purple belt, and he'll wreck almost any black belt you know. That guy is a freaking animal. Yeah, dude, it, uh, that's like. Dring said this uh, uh, quote, and I said it yesterday to somebody, but like the whole n not all belts are created equal thing is, no. is a real thing. Yeah. And if you subscribe to that and not just like as an excuse. Yeah. But like, oh no, man, I could learn something from that purple belt. I could learn something from that blue belt. And it's like a lot of bite belts don't say things like that. Yeah. And it's weird because like, like I've done a lot of super fights and stuff like that. And I've trained with a lot of black belts and stuff like that. And like, it doesn't matter who I think I'm going against. I'm going to think that I'm going to beat them. And like belt doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I think like, like if you're a black belt, cool, man, you've been doing this for a long time. You probably know a ton, but that doesn't mean your application is the same. Doesn't mean the applications. I, I would say the biggest thing I've noticed turning to people over the years is like, you might say something different today. Like that was mentioned with Robert Drysdale. He just said it differently. And it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. Yeah. And it'll be a lot of times it's funny. Like we spotted this over the years, depending on what it was. Mm -hmm. But like it'd be something that Dring or Caleb or something said to me. Somebody said it to me like 10 times. And then like bring somebody in from the outside and they said the, the same topic said it a little different and i was like guys just, this is just crazy out, man. like <laughs> ah! and they're like we told you that yeah and so remember when we said it this way i watch a lot of uh craig jones and uh gregory yeah old gregory man that guy is good he is but yeah. uh like his jiu-jitsu game works really well for me like 
like everything that he does makes a lot of sense to me. And his coach, Lachlan Giles, just blew up, right, from the ADCC. I've been it, seeing his name everywhere. Yeah, so, like, I could show you DMs from Instagram. I found that guy when he had, like, 3,600 followers on Instagram, and he was just posting, like, one-minute things on his Instagram. And I've DMed him almost every single day asking him questions, and he answers them. And that's what's helped me so much. It's, like, I find so many, like, like I don't want to say, like, B-tier dudes, but, like, lesser-known dudes yeah. that are extremely good and just ask them questions. And a lot of the time, like that's how I found the Joshua Duke dude. He like, I saw one video of his and I was like, wow, this guy's really good. And I got like, just started DMing him, asking him questions. And then like my family vacations down in uh, Florida. And so while I was down there one time, I went over there and I got a private from him and it's changed it. Are you seeing most of his stuff on Instagram? Mm, kind of. Like we were talking about this maybe before the podcast, but, um, so my 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 college students say I'm like a crusty old man. Yeah, because you Facebook. Because I, I Facebook, dude, and like we're what, what ten years apart in age. But um, how how would you like? How do you notice jujitsu guys interfacing? Because like dude, like YouTube. I'm in that space. We got that down. It's up and rolling. It's doing it. Um, I and I share like I got. We got to where like we don't post everything we do the youtube video but i separately make it not a shared post but like a separate post on facebook now yeah but like we are wanting to integrate more with the instagram audience we just haven't like we do we have a bunch of posts we have a bunch of followers we just don't consistently keep up with them because honestly cause we don't have a strategy i think that's the problem is so like joseph joseph tran uh-huh. that dude is great at instagram how old is joseph 28 29 oh wow he's yeah. too old to be good at instagram dude he's so good at it so one day after a ufc fight he like shared a video of like somebody getting knocked out and the ufc was like yoink and like took his instagram account he had to make a brand new holy one. shit and i was like probably what is this october it's probably like eight months ago and in eight months he's back to like 1500 followers wow. and like he just posts stuff every day. He posts stories, he posts hmm. pictures and like he uses a bunch of hashtags to reach out to a bunch of people. Cause a lot of people follow certain hashtags mm-hmm. and they'll find people like that. I should follow that's a man. A big uh, part of this digital marketing in general is I copy other people's shit that works. I just haven't found some good Instagram people that are within my network that I'm like, yeah, I should copy their stuff. Yeah. It's like, cause sometimes you can find uh like I had a breakthrough a while back. I, like dude, people proclaim to be digital marketing experts, but like anybody could be one social media wasn't a thing until I was like getting out of high school. Like there was my space before that, but like, Facebook come around when I was like getting out of high school. Yeah. You still, uh, you were the MySpace AOL people. Yeah. That yeah. Zanga was another one that was yeah. real popular. Um, what, a, uh, yeah. AOL messenger, dude. Um, Aim. Yeah. Old I had, school. uh, I had Nap, dude, I had Napster, bro. I had downloaded illegal Metallica. You're one on of those, Napster. uh, those LimeWire kids. I had a LimeWire, dude. I had, mm. dude, I'll tell you another good one for the multimedia sharing was called Kazaa. K-A-Z-A-A. Kazaa. It was a good one. I can't, uh, what else did? Peer-to-peer sharing, man. Man. Yeah, those are the days. Now everything's just pirated. Yeah. <laughs> I never got into torrents or anything, did you? Uh, no. So, I. funny thing is, like, I used to do a lot of, like, really crazy computer stuff. and uh, But no, torrenting was never my thing, because, like, there's ways that you can download without torrents, and mm-hmm. that avoids a lot of, like, middlemanning and possible, like, uh, information release yeah so like i always got into that man being on campus they're always there's always some scam 
like going Always. around with the with the network. They're like, don't open this. Don't talk to yeah, these you people. You get an email and it's like, hey, I need your login because you messed up something with the IT department. It's like not actually the IT department. Well, dude, like the big thing that like uh, has been going around is people being like, uh, hey, we have part of your password we saw you jacking off in the camera like we're gonna share a video of you doing that and it's just like what like i didn't how, do how did this happen i didn't do any of this i don't even have a camera in this office <laughs> like it's, but um or i do but it's not hooked up to the it's not like a webcam you know yeah. it's like it's a gopro but it's just like for some people it's like it's a very it's like, real this is a portion of your password and like i've seen people like take to facebook and not know that it was a scam and be like somebody got my wife and i's information they're blackmailing me oh my god dude my favorite thing in the world is old people on the internet because they're like it's like obviously the least credible article ever oh man and like old people were like did you know that Bill Clinton's actually black? And you're like, what? <laughs> and it's like some crazy like I Babylon B article. Dude, I, I told Corey yesterday, I was like, my dad shared something. I was like, he shouldn't be allowed to share memes on the internet. Yeah. Like he shouldn't. And uh, it's, it's just funny, man. It's like, like memes on the internet should have an age limit like driving. Like old people driving is scary. Yeah. All people sharing articles on his on social media is Well, scary. dude, that's where you see, too, um, the older generation, like my parents' generation, like, say, like, without without uh, making too much of generalization, like, people 50 plus. Yeah. You get a lot of that homophobia, xenophobia, like, people just like, yeah, you were raised in a time where civil rights was not something we cared yeah. about unless it was universal male suffrage and you know women can vote now too so but uh it's nuts know. man yeah well dude let's uh let's wrap it up man head on over to the gym and uh let's do it just uh get us a little rolling in brandon molly just takes me and cora so well dude appreciate you taking the time and uh we'll go do some 50 50 and back takes man let's do it on the road to memphis all right dude signing off see you guys